You are listening to a sermon from MCA Church. To learn more about our community, head online to mcachurch.ca. Thanks. Well, good morning, Mission Creek Alliance Church. Uh, My name is Brendan. I am one of the pastors here on staff. Uh, But before I go any further, the kids are dismissed. Okay, so if, if, you're, if you're a kid and you're like, hey, man, why do I have to listen to this guy talk? Don't worry, you don't have to. You can go. And I, I, as, as the kids were dismissing, I, I was made aware of something this morning that I thought was so neat. So we, we have a group of preteens up top. And, and um, I don't, I'm sorry if I'm going to get you in trouble, but, but they're like playing bingo throughout the church service. And uh, there's certain things that they have to um, mark, mark off. So, for example, when Keith is preaching, um, if they're playing, they have to mark off uh, uh, the church in every sense of the word. When Keith says that, they get a free, a free point. Um, and I, there's one that I wasn't going to do, but I saw, and I'm going to give it a freebie. So, repeat after me. Good morning. Great. Okay. Pencils, scratch. There's a repeat after me section there. Oh, fantastic. Well, you know, I was thinking as a preteen, that would have been such a clever way for me to kind of like link into the service and what's happening. So we've been going through Jonah. Uh, Jonah's been such a fascinating book. Um, You know, over the past month or two, as we uh, have been diving into it and before kind of preparing for this series, it's been fun just to read. Uh, you know, it's a short book. It's, it's four chapters. You can sit down, and, and sometimes when I sit down to read the Bible, I, I just begin to read one chapter, but, you know, with Jonah, it's, it's always like, okay, I might as well just finish this story uh, because it's, it's quick. You can kind of see different movements of God in the book of Jonah, and, and that's exactly what we're speaking about this morning, what I want to dive into. Three different movements found in the first two chapters of Jonah, and if you have your Bibles, feel free to turn, um, turn to Jonah. For, for my Bible, I believe I'm on like page 795. For the Bibles in front of you, I think it's like 645. Um, it's... Uh, it's, it's kind of tucked away. It is no shame in using the table of contents to find Jonah, okay? No shame in that. So the first movement that we see in the book of Jonah is Jonah running away from God, All right? Jonah running away from God, right? We have God calling Jonah to preach a message of salvation to the sinful Ninevites, this is what Keith talked about a couple weeks ago. God issues this call on Jonah's life, and what does Jonah do? He turns in the opposite direction and runs away from God's call. He flees to kind of like this, this opposite uh, city called Tarshish, which um, uh, I feel weird saying all the time, but tar- Tarshish, right? He flees to Tarshish. He gets on a boat runs away, and, and then he, he, he begins to sleep, and, 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 and God sends this storm, and then the captain of the ship is like, hey, why don't you, uh, why don't you like pray to your God? And instead of Jonah standing up and praying and asking God for deliverance, he just 
remains silent. So we get this act of Jonah running away and running away and to the point where he's like, hey, just, just toss me overboard. You know, I, I don't want to do with God. I don't want to deal with anything that he has on my life right now. I just want to be tossed aside, right? So Jonah is running away. He's running away. And, and, and there's a part of me that just continues to wonder, why does God continue to deal with Jonah? Right, just, just you know, think about it for a second. How do you feel God should respond to Jonah. Or, you know, let's, let's move the relationship a little bit. Maybe uh, at work you, you have some employees or, or you work with different people. Imagine an, an employee or someone who reports to you doing what Jonah did, right? You ask them to do something, they do the opposite. You give them a way out. They, they continue to do the opposite of what you want for them. And they continue going further, further away. Right? Well, what would you do as that person's boss? Uh, so, in in my in my work, um, uh, I I make I make games for a living, and uh, you know basically it's it's not as cool. It, it is cool. Don't get me wrong. I make games for a living, but it's, it's mostly just me in meetings the whole time. Um, I, I'm no longer creative. I just tell people to be creative, uh, and then I take the credit uh, for for their creativity. I thought that's, that that's a joke. Um, uh, and, and so I lead these different teams, and, and we, we released this, this one um, really big uh, project, right? We were coordinating shipping from getting it from China. We had, I don't know, 10 different shipping containers going all across the world. It's like this big logistics uh, kind of ordeal. And we had this fulfillment center in America. And I remember meeting with, with the fulfillment center before we were fulfilling this, this product. And uh, I'm like, okay, hey, give me your timeline. So they gave me the timeline. I'm like, okay, that's, that sounds good. Okay, hey, when are you gonna be able to get this done? And I just got them to reiterate a few times about how they were gonna complete their end of the bargain, their, their fulfillment. Um, the time rolls around, the, the shipping containers arrive in their fulfillment center and they go to start shipping and stuff is just really, really slow. And so, so my, the customers, they start to get angry, and, and who do they get angry at? It's, it's, not, the, it's not the fulfillment center. They, they get angry at me. Uh, Brendan, why aren't we getting our games quick enough? Hey, you, you said one thing, and they're doing something else. This fulfillment center not fulfilling, not, yeah, literally not fulfilling what they're supposed to do reflected poorly upon me. And so I get on a call, and I'll be honest, um, you know, working at a church doesn't make you immune to sin. I don't know if you know that. But, but I, 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 I jumped on a call, and I remember, I didn't yell at them, but I was so short, like, just really quick. Um, and and just the, the words were really biting. And I remember saying something along the lines of, well, if, if you can't deliver this when you said you would, then you don't deserve our business going forward. Right, and that was just me being real. I'm like, I can't have this reflecting poorly upon me in the future. And so, if you can't do this, then, like, we're going, we're going elsewhere. Imagine if God did that with Jonah. He he doesn't. And and the whole question that I want us to ponder this morning that I feel like we become numb to, especially if if maybe. Sunday church 
has, has been a routine for a number of years, is this question, what is so amazing about grace? And we, we sang about it, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. I want us to really ponder in our hearts this morning, God's incredible grace towards Jonah and towards us. So let's, let's pray, and, uh, and then we'll continue on in Jonah. Jesus, we come to you this Sunday morning, recognizing that, that there are many of us in this room coming from many different seasons of work, of life, of being parents, being friends, wherever it is. And Jesus, we step into this place. And God, I, 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 I want your spirit to impress upon us the need that we have for your grace. But God, I also want you just to reveal that grace in such a new, profound way this morning. In a way that uh, no words that I can say will do, but only your spirit through the power of Jesus can do in our life. So we pray these things in your precious name. Amen. So we have this first movement, right? Jonah running away from God. And it, it goes into the second movement of God running after Jonah. God runs after Jonah consistently. And we're, we, we've talked about it. Right? First, God actually called Jonah as a prophet. Even before we get to the book of Jonah, there is a grace of God going after Jonah. Hey, Jonah, why don't you be my mouthpiece to the world? And that's, that's what the prophet's job was, an incredible act of grace. And then God's like, hey, Jonah, why don't you declare the message of salvation I have for the Ninevites? Think about it just for a moment. And I, I, was, I, was, I was imagining this call. Hey, if, if God was like, Brendan, stand up in front of thousands of people. You're going to say a few words. And those thousands of people are going are gonna to be saved, are going to come to a saving knowledge of God. That would be an incredible experience. You think of a prophet fulfilling their life's potential in that moment. God is extending a grace to Jonah and saying, hey, I have this work for you to do. Go share my good news to this sinful nation. And yet Jonah ignores that, goes the opposite direction, gets on a boat, and there's this storm that's almost just this result of Jonah's disobedience. And, and it's literally like the result of his sinfulness has come to play physically in the storm that finds uh, this boat on the sea. Even that storm is a grace of God. Jonah, wake up. Don't you see? Don't you see that there's a life for you? Jonah, wake up. Jonah ignores it. Like, literally, he's asleep. And then we have a captain who doesn't know the living God, but knows that there's something, something more greater at work in what's happening in this storm than, than he knows. And he goes to Jonah and he's like, hey, Jonah, get up, pray to your God. That captain is extending a grace of God to Jonah just to stand up and say, hey, God, can you calm the storm? But Jonah doesn't. 
And then Jonah throws himself. He gets cast over the side of the boat and he's in the waters and there is another grace. This big old fish swallows him up whole, saving his life. Grace upon grace of God running after Jonah. I had an Old Testament professor um, uh, when I was taking a, a master's degree that I guess I never finished, but um, a master's degree, and uh, it makes me sound smart anyways that I can say that. Um, Eric Ortland, he, he says this, it's up on the screen. We're talking about the Old Testament, and this is what he says, that there's a God in heaven who actually likes bad people, who's actually attracted to them and the more bad they are, the more favor and grace he shows them. Doesn't this sum up the Old Testament? You see person after person disobeying God's call into life. And person after person, God continues to extend more grace, more favor on them to the point where you're kind of left scratching your head and you're like, why, God? Why, why Jonah? Why don't you just get someone else? You can even get that captain. I bet that captain of that boat would listen to you and go to the Ninevites and preach a, like a saving message. Why don't you just use the captain? Use someone who's willing to follow you. Use someone who, who's, who's not as disobedient, who's not as much work. Like, God, why are you doing that? You know, another way that we could say this for Jonah is that the more Jonah sins, the more the depths of God's love and grace towards him are revealed. Right? The, the, the greater the sin of Jonah, the greater that we see the grace of God. And this leads us finally, right? We, we, we get Jonah swallowed up by this big fish, just one more grace of God running after Jonah. And I think sometimes we get hung up on, on, on the big fish. And we're like, wow, what a crazy miracle. For, for, for me, it's actually, the, the, the miracle is what comes in chapter two. It's Jonah's response towards God. We, we see Jonah running away consistently. And what happens in Jonah's life in chapter two? There's a turning away from his sin and turning towards God. So let's read Jonah 2 together. This is beginning at the end of 1. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. And from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God, and he said, In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From the deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, to the very heart of the seas, and the current swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains, I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. 
Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Thanks be to God. This is the word of the Lord. I feel like in the bingo, we needed vomit in, in, in the slot. Jonah responds. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. I think some, sometimes we, we become numb to God's grace because it's just hard to understand. It's hard to reconcile thinking Jonah, you know, should just get what he deserves, right? Like, like me talking to that fulfillment center, okay, you guys are going to get what you deserve. We're not going to partner with you in the future anymore, right? That's just like a natural way of things in this world. If you do something wrong, there's consequences for that wrongdoing, you get what you deserve. And so we're looking at Jonah and it's like, yeah, you know what? You, you kind of deserve just to get swallowed up by the sea. You, you, you had many, many opportunities to walk into the life that God called you and, and yet you continued to run away. Don't you just deserve something else? You know, recognizing the grace, it, it it always begins with us understanding the, the magnitude of our own wrongdoing against God. So we cannot understand the magnitude of God's grace until we come to grips with the magnitude of our disobedience against God. Of us running in our own direction time and time again, despite God, you know, calling us into a greater life elsewhere. I, I actually don't know, you know, reading through this prayer multiple times this week, I, I don't know if, if Jonah in this moment fully came to grips with the magnitude of his disobedience against God. Because it's, it's hard to reconcile with. Because when we do, we ask the question, oh God, I, 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 deserve, I deserve this. You know, I have wronged people in my life. God, why, why do you put up with me? And, and, and we're, we're often brought to a situation when we do come to grips with, with the brokenness that, that we've caused to those around us, with the brokenness that we've, we've caused internally with, with our disobedience toward God, we, we, we come to grips with, okay, okay, we've gotten this far. Kate, okay, what must I do? God, what can I do to fix this? Let me fix this. I'm gonna buckle down. I'm gonna sort this out. You know, this is like the rich young ruler coming to Jesus. Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What must I do in order to feel freedom from the shame that grips my life? What must I do to be part of your family, God? What must I do to, to, to feel a freedom from the sin of my past? What must I do? 
there's a uh, there, there's a podcast I, I listen to often. It's um, this guy Lex Friedman. He he interviews these people for like multiple hours at a time. It's it's pretty wild. Uh, and and he was interviewing um, this uh, this man named Omar Suleiman. He is a professor of Islam at a, a university in the states. And fascinating interview. Um, and in the first even in the first ten minutes, Omar's you know, talking uh, about his faith and, uh, you know, talking, and, and he says a few things, and so I just want to read a couple of Omar's quotes. He mentions that ultimately we humans want to be our own gods. You know, uh, he talks about how, how his faith gives him intention in everything that he does. Even in the act of eating, there is a thankfulness that results. Yeah. He talks about how God is most compassionate, most merciful. He even talks about that, that, that there's no barrier between God and us. And then he mentioned that, that God is ever close to us through our supplication and our prayers. And, you know, as, as he was talking about this, I was, I was thinking about, about some verses in, in the Bible. And, you know, there's that verse in James that talks about how draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Or the, the numerous Psalms that mention that the Lord is near, right? This is Psalm 145, that the Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call on him in truth. And Omar, as he was speaking, you know, was, was kind of getting to this question, how do we get the grace of God? How do we begin this relationship. And, 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 and for, for Omar, it, was, it was, came back to, okay, you, we come to God with our prayers and supplication and we're invited in that way. And there's, there's, there's a couple of, like, it's, it's pretty, well, one is like really interesting to, to hear this, but there was this longing that I had as I was listening to this podcast. I was like, I feel like the, the, the grace of God is, is something just, just a little bit more. There's, there's, there's all of this, which I was like affirming in truth, yes and amen, but I think there's something deeper and more foundational because oftentimes, whether it's, it's in our daily life or, or whatever it is, it comes back to the question of what must I do? What can I do? And yet there is a presupposition. There is something that comes before every time a Christian asks, what must I do? And that's what has Jesus done? Jesus in John 10, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Or Paul in Ephesians, for by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing is the gift of God. In Romans 8, he says that he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? He goes on to say that Jesus is at the right hand of God and is also interceding with us. You see, there is a natural inclination when we come to grips with our sin to ask, what can I do to fix this? But we need to go before that and ask, God, what have you done? 
because there is a grace that God extends to each one of us as he runs after us, as he sees us in the pit, just like Jonah prayed and literally yanks us up out of the pit. There is something that Jesus does before we even ask the question, what can I do? Jesus is at the right hand of God in this very instance, calling you by name, seeing you wherever you're at, praying for you, interceding. He's placing himself between what you deserve, right? He's placing yourself in that spot. Jesus is there. And repentance, it's coming to grips with our sinfulness, with, with the justice due to us, with what we deserve. And it's God himself pulling us up out of the pit. And yet this grace, it, it often doesn't sit well with us. I know for me it doesn't because I, I still look at Jonah or I look at my own life and I'm like, oh, I just, I just want, I want justice. Like there's that, there's that movie which... I cannot recommend in good faithfulness, but there's that movie where the guy's dog dies at the beginning of the movie and the whole next three movies is about him getting revenge for his dog's death. There is a justice in that. You're like, yes. And I, it's, it's really weird actually. And in, in, this is the freebie. Um, they needed to have a, a, a dog uh, because people have gotten so desensitized. Um, but there's this, this justice that, that our heart longs for. We see wrongdoing and we want there to be, we want them to get what they deserve. As I see Jonah, I'm like, Kate, I get it. And Jonah sees this too. He sees the Ninevites and he's upset that God is going to show them grace. He doesn't get it because he's like, Kate, they don't deserve your grace, God. And if you're going to extend it, you're going to extend it anyways. And so we need something more. And, and you know what? Jonah actually brings us to that. Uh, there's this, this book um, Tim Keller wrote, uh, The Prophet, sorry, The Prodigal Prophet. It's a reflection on Jonah. Incredible book. He says this. The third truth we must grasp if we are to understand God's grace in a way that transforms is how costly the salvation is that God provides. Not once, but twice in his prayer, Jonah looks not merely toward heaven, but toward your holy temple and to the temple of your holiness. Why? Jonah knew that it was over the mercy seat in the temple that God promised to speak to us. The mercy seat was the slab of gold over the top of the Ark of the Covenant in which resided the tablets of the Ten Commandments. And on the Day of Atonement, catch this, a priest sprinkled the blood of the atoning sacrifice for the sins of the people on the mercy seat. Jonah, in his prayer, is drawn to reflecting at this very place that there would be a costly sacrifice to cover his wrongdoing. And, and us, we're, we're looking back. We, we know who this sacrifice actually points ahead towards. We know 
where this holy temple points ahead, and, and that's to the person and work of Jesus. You know, Jesus himself in Matthew shared that, um, you know, uh, he's talking to some Pharisees and to some scribes, and they're like demanding a sign from him, and he responds to them, right? There's going to be no sign given except the sign of the prophet Jonah, because just as Jonah was in the stomach of the sea creature for three days and three nights, so the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment and condemn the people living today because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. But look, something greater is here. Something greater than Jonah is here. He's like, hey, you remember that story of Jonah preaching the good news of Jesus? There's somebody greater than Jonah here today in your midst. Or do you remember the story that happens just a little bit before this in Matthew? It's up on the screen here. And as we read through it, imagine that you're very versed in the Old Testament, right? You're hearing, jo- you're hearing Jesus, you're, you're reading Matthew, and, and yet you know the Old Testament backwards and forwards. Jesus got into a boat with his disciples, and his disciples followed him. Suddenly, a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But guess what? Jesus was sleeping. We should link in. We should link in here. The disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. Jesus replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? He got up, rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. And they were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and waves obey him. So the readers of Matthew see that Jesus is on a boat and there's a storm and they're like, oh, this kind of reminds me of something. And then they're like, okay, the prophet himself is sleeping. Wait a second, Jonah himself was also sleeping. And then just like the captain went down to Jonah and said, hey, can you save us from the storm? The disciples of Jesus go to him, hey, Jesus, can you save us from the storm? And here is where something greater than Jonah shows up. You know, Jonah was unable, unwilling to stand up and rebuke the storm, unwilling to call upon God. Jesus steps up, Lord of heaven and earth, rebukes the storm, and it quiets down, saves the people on the boat. Incredible. There's three movements. We run away from God. God runs after us and we respond. You know, there's there's maybe many times in your life, even right now, you're thinking, oh yeah, maybe I'm in a season of actively disobeying what God is calling on my life. I know God wants this for me, but you know what? It's okay, I'm gonna keep on going this direction. Right this instance, God is running after you. Oftentimes, we find ourselves in, in, in these storms, right? These storms sometimes are, are actually of our own sin and disobedience. Maybe sometimes it's, it's storms of anxiety and worry that just kind of come up out of nowhere or, or storms of, of our rebellion. But we have Jesus 
right? We, 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 we're like the disciples on the boat. We can call to Jesus to calm this storm, the one who is Lord of the storm. And maybe your storm, you've been caught up and it feels like months, years, maybe even decades. And you're like, Jesus, I have repeatedly asked you to calm this storm. Why? Why haven't you? I, 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 I just, I'm reminded of the story of, of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who get thrown into a fiery furnace. And, and it's not because they did anything wrong. It's actually because they were obedient to God. And they're in this fiery furnace. And, and yet there's this being who shows up and protects them who's there in the storm. And guess what? We, we have a promise from Jesus that he's, he's not asleep anymore, right? He's, he's, he's been called upon. He is at the right hand of God interceding for you in this very moment in the midst of your storm. God is continually running after us, showing the grace of Jesus, and it comes at the cost of Jesus himself, of Jesus willingly going to the cross, taking upon what we deserve, and giving us his life. And he does that even as we run away from him. This is the grace, the amazing, amazing grace that we sing of, that we come, that we that we reflect on as, as, as we worship Jesus, you know, in these mornings throughout the week. And so as we move into uh, third movements, right, our, our response, I'm going to invite the, uh, I'm going to invite the band forward and